Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Battle Red Nation, to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast and news update. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my partner in crime. John, some sports guy Hickman, happy to be back on the third day of the crossover where we are gathering with our family over at Tennessee, talking to the Colts and locked on Colts and just to see where they are right now in the offseason with the other teams in the AFC South. But before we get to the crossover and all of that good fun, wanted to give you guys an update on what's going on with your Houston Texans you know, in preparation for the upcoming season, which is still looking very unlikely right now, but the NFL is trying everything in their power to have this season. Haven't called me up on my idea yet on those um, 17 weeks in games, but whatever. However, the Texans rookies are scheduled to report to the camp Saturday. All players must take the COVID-19 test two days in advance. Uh, There's no clearance yet from the NFL and both teams like the other 30 teams are waiting word from the league about how to proceed moving forward as well. But the Texans rookies are scheduled to report to camp this Saturday, which is big because we have guys replacing big shoes. Ross Blacklock will be replacing the role of DJ reader, at least of what the Texans, you know, really wants drafting him so high at 40 and then we have to see what Jonathan Grenard can do and so those are the interesting um, additions to the team that I think everybody should be excited for it's exciting but what's not exciting is the disrespect that Deshaun Watson continuously gets from the, the 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 national media from game companies you know and john let me let me just say this because i want you and listeners i want you to tweet me and let me know if i'm missing something two weeks ago there was a guy on pro football focus i can't remember his name and he did a rating ranking the top quarterbacks going into the 2020 season and of course like everybody he had patrick mahomes at number one Two through five went Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, and Lamar Jackson. And with the exception of Aaron Rodgers, because I believe at this point in his career, he is debatable if you want to put him in that top five. But of course, you know, those other four names are top four. And me personally, I believe that it should go all by its aside, Mahomes, Watson and Jackson. I believe without a doubt, if you do a top 10, five, if you do a list of the best quarterbacks in this, in this league, those three should go one, two, and three. Now, John, once again, please correct me if I'm wrong. And I'm talking about heading into the 2020 season, your favorite football game. Matter of fact, your favorite game, Madden released its rankings of the top 10 quarterbacks heading into the new season. And, John, our boy, Deshaun Watson, ranked eighth with an 86 overall behind Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, this I think, uh... is completely 
BS. Yeah, first and I, foremost, I think... I'm I'm sorry, John, but first and foremost, let me say this: if your top three quarterbacks do not go Mahomes, Jackson, and Watson in any particular order, it's complete BS. They got it right. I think they got it right with the top three. Now, <laughs> after that, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan all come before Deshaun Watson. Um. I could switch out Deshaun Watson all the way up into that fifth spot with Tom Brady. Uh, Watson would go from that 86 to a 90. And if they have Brady at a 90, then I believe that Deshaun Watson would be a 91. Should be a 91, a slot over Tom Brady. Because here's the thing. Madden got it so wrong that Matt Ryan was a, a 87, one point over. Deshaun Watson. They got it so wrong. They got to make up ground and boost him about five points. This is just him at 86. And I know you guys really don't care. We're going to get to the crossover, of course. But if any of you guys still play Madden, and I am, I can't wait for it to come out. This is just one of those things that as fans of the game and the and the team and the NFL, you know, barbershop talk, you talk about the game, but this is just totally bad. I, <laughs> I definitely don't agree with this. It's totally bad. I and I, let me I, let me say I started a dynasty with the Texans on Madden. I won two Super Bowls back to back, two MVPs with Deshaun Watson back to back. He's the funnest player I've played with on Madden at quarterback in a very long time. He, <laughs> he does everything. I mean, it's it's amazing. We are back with the third installment in our Ultimate Division Crossover Series, a little training camp preview for the AFC South. I am the host of the Locked on Titans podcast, Tyler Rowland. We are here with host of the Locked on Texans podcast, John Hickman, host of the Locked on Jaguars podcast, Tony Wiggins, and we are focusing on the Indianapolis Colts today with host Evan Sidery. Evan, I just wanted to ask you straight off the jump, dive right in with the number one question, I think at least in my mind, projecting a little, uh, that will define the Colts season, and that is, does Phillip Rivers have any left in your experience with him since we last talked do you feel better about his signing worse or where do you kind of stand in your feelings about that right now yeah the more I've watched of Rivers since that signing happened right away in March and free agency I'm more and more warming up to the idea because I think he's going to play a role similar to what happened with your quarterback Tennessee Tyler with Ryan Tannehill kind of have no pressure on him kind of just be the game manager take some deep shots here and there, do some quick passes to guys like T.Y. Hilton, rookie Mike Cleveland Jr., Naeem Hines, or scat back there as well. I think they have a lot of pieces in place for Philip Brewers to really cut down his turnovers last year. Of course, he had 20 interceptions. That's sort of why the Chargers moved on and drafted Justin Herbert in the first round because they thought Rivers didn't have much left. But Frank Reich and Chris Bauer have been adamant this whole period that Rivers still has some juice left in his arm. They still think the arm strength is there from the last couple of years, and they think that he could really bounce back to the 2018 form when the Chargers were 13-3 and three and on the doorstep making the Super Bowl run that they did and going to Baltimore and beating Lamar Jackson as a rookie year. They, they think you could really have that more and get the piece in place. The offensive line with the Colts is the best in the NFL that they are definitely helping out with Phil Brewers. They should be back to around 15 to 18 sacks as they were with Andrew Luck in 2018. Chuck just held the ball way too long last year. And why, that's why their second number are in play a little bit there. But with Rivers' accuracy, his timing, his leadership, I just think it fits so well in this Colts culture and locker room that 
for a two-year stopgap, I think he's going to be around for two years, even though it's a one-year contract. If Rivers does well this year, he'll probably get another one-year deal on board the Colts there. But I really do love the sign the more I talk about more because I think he's such a big upgrade with Jacoby Brissett, where Brissett was probably a bottom five starting correct in the NFL last year, and Rivers is at least average or maybe even top 12. And that's a huge difference in my book. And that kind of piece really should put the Colts back from a 7-9 and nine team to a team that should be in the – the 9, 10, 11 win range this year because I think Rivers makes that big of a difference, especially with the relationship he had in place already with Frank right from San Diego where he had his career best year percentage-wise at 69.5%. So uh, maybe not gaudy stats for Philip Rivers here in 2020, Tyler, but I expect a year where it's a lot more efficient and a lot, le- a lot less pressure on him, especially with the running game having place too. Evan, I, I, go ahead, John. Go okay, ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I got a quick question uh, about Jonathan Taylor. Uh, what, what what do you believe his expectations will be for the season and how will he be used in this Colts offense? Yeah, obviously Scott had expectations for Taylor long-term in Indianapolis, but I think in this year in his rookie season, I expect him to be kind of the second fiddle to Marlon Mack, at least the first part of the season, because Mack is entering the last year of his contract and Taylor, of course, had a lot of tread on his tires from West Comp. And so Frank Reich has mentioned before, that's not a one-two punch. They call it a one-one punch in Indy because they think both are getting a lot of touches this year. Taylor is obviously an explosive back. He's very built like a Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott type, where he can really break off anything at any time. And I think the expectation for him this year is going to be just give him some patience. I think that the numbers might not be there at first, but I think later on in the year, I'm very bullish on Taylor, that he's probably going to take the starting spot from Marlon Mack later in the season, probably around October, November, and kind of take it from there. Because Mack, of course, he's a great back. He has great vision, but he doesn't have the exact explosiveness and burst that Taylor does. And behind this offensive line, I think Taylor could put up some really gaudy numbers like he did in Wisconsin. And with, with that combination with the offensive line and Taylor in place, I think the Colts are set for a very long time. But I think preserving Taylor a little bit this year with Marlon Mack and having those two be a really lethal combination could really help him out and keep him healthy, but also keep Marlon Mack healthy at the same time there. So I think Taylor's got a really big year, but I think it's going to be more of a shared shared load there with Marlon Mack. Now, let me make this point, and then I'll, and I'll ask you a question, um, uh, Evan. I think I picked the Colts sort of, you know, in, in one of my podcasts earlier to be that team that you really have to watch out for. And here's why. I don't know if Phillip Rivers is the Phillip Rivers that he was five years ago. But what I do know is I dare you to blitz him like you would another quarterback who you want to, who you don't think can process that information quickly. Go ahead, try it. And the other thing is if you do want to blitz a quarterback that doesn't have his mobility that's losing the edge, kind of want to get him up the middle to kind of get him off their square. Well, that's the strength. That's the strength of the Colts' offensive line is right up the middle. Now, the key is the health of the young wide receivers that they had hurt and of T.Y. Hilton, and then the fact that they continue to address that. All of those things coming into play, and like you said, the familiarity with Rivers and, and Reich, that's why I think they can win three or four games that they didn't win last year. Give me your assessment and thought on it. Yeah, I think overall this offense has some really strong potential. With, like you mentioned, Tony, the offensive line is the best in the NFL. Quentin Nelson, I think, is already one of the best players in the NFL as a left guard, which says a lot about him overall and his talent. And also Anthony Costanza, Ryan Kelly, Brain Smith, those guys up front make up that unit. But you look at the playmakers on the outside, too. We talked about Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack, that combination there. But T.Y. Hilton is going to have a bounce back year. I think he was riddled by injuries last year. And he was putting a pressure where he was double T almost every single game because the weapons the Colts had just weren't there or they were injured. And Paris Campbell, too a rookie last year from Ohio State. I have a lot of sky-high hopes for still. I think that he is going to be a very good slot receiver in this offense, but injuries just back-to-back-to-back kept knocking him out for games. And you saw his game-breaking speed, 4-3-1 speed for a six-foot wide receiver. It's crazy to think about. I think he's going to be used a lot more in those drag concepts, the slant concepts, and really 
have a lot of yards with the catch for this Colts team, especially if Philip is a quarterback there. And you add in Michael Pittman Jr., I think it's one of my favorite draft targets for the Colts this year in this draft class because six foot four, big body, knows how to go up and get the deep ball, which Philip Rivers loves, Vincent Jackson type, the Malcolm Floyd type, the Mike Williams type. He fits right into that mold there. And Rivers thrives with those kind of big body receivers. So I expect a big year for Michael Pittman Jr. as well. Zach Pascal is there for good depth. He had, had a good year for himself last year. He's fourth wide out there. And you add in reliable Jack Doyle, who I think is one of the more underrated Titans in the NFL there. I think he's going to have a big year as well. You add in Trey Burton, who they got from the Bears in free agency. I think he's going to be a good replacement for Eric Ebron, who had a lot of drop issues throughout his career. I, I think this offense is so well, well-rounded, Tony, that there's really not many weaknesses. I can't really find a real weakness in this Colts offense, which I think says a lot about this team, where last year I think the issue was a quarterback and the injuries there. So if they stay healthy and Rivers bounces back to at least maybe close to 2018 form, this should be a team that, like you mentioned, should be a 10-11 football team. And the, the, the real negatives on the board for this offense, I really can't find. Do you, you know, see any negatives or weaknesses on the defense? Defense-wise, I, I do a little bit. The secondary is questionable. There are a lot of young guys that are relying on Xavier Rhodes to really bounce back to have a good year. Jonathan Gannon, the former Vikings defensive backs coach, is now the defensive backs coach with the Colts, and he helped put Rhodes into an all-pro Pro Bowl season during his prime of his career in Minnesota. So I think Rhodes, if he bounced back to at least average form, the Colts should be fine at the cornerback spot. Rocky Sin had a rough start to the year last year, but he really – started to develop more and more into a legit number one cornerback in the second half of the season after his really awful outing against the Denver Broncos where Cortland Sutton torched him over and over again. But the safeties as well. Millie Cooker, he has to stay healthy. They declined his fifth-year option, so I don't know if he'll be back after this year. But Kari Willis, I think, is an underrated safety in this league as well. As a rookie, he did very well for himself. So a lot of youth in the back end there. I'd say that's the most questionable end there. But I think DeForest Buckner is going to make up for a lot of that because the Colts never had interior pressure like Buckner before. I think he's going to take a lot of pressure off that secondary. That is going to do it for the first half of our conversation with Evan Sidery from the Locked on Colts podcast, taking a look at the Indianapolis Colts as we head into training camp. We are going to come back with the second part of our conversation next. We are back here for the second part of our conversation about the Indianapolis Colts with Evan Sidery from the Locked On Colts. Also got John Hickman from the Locked On Texans. We got Tony Wiggins from the Locked On Jaguars. I am Tyler Rowland from the Locked On Titans. And Evan, I wanted to kind of kick things off here in our second portion of the show, talking about something that you hit on a little bit there at the end, and that is Malik Hooker. His fifth-year option, as you said, was declined. A lot of the time, that, that can pretty much be the unofficial end to a player's career uh, in that particular city. Also, someone you brought up earlier, Marlon Matt. Do you think it's it, the writing's on the wall and both of those guys will, will no longer be in Indianapolis next season, or do you think there's a chance one or two of those guys could be brought back long-term? Yeah, I think there's a chance that both could be brought back. I think, like you mentioned, the writing's on the wall there because I think they drafted their replacements in the second and third round this year. You got Jonathan Taylor at number 41 overall trade-up ahead of Jacksonville, who reportedly wanted to get Jonathan Taylor on board there. And you get him to replace Marlon Mack, I think, after this year full-time. And they drafted Julian Blackman of Utah in the third round, a strong safety – or free safety, excuse me, who Chris Boward said he believes has legitimate talent in this league. So he's obviously recovering as well from a torn ACL except from the Pac-12 title game. So he'll be on the public to start the year. I think later on in the season, maybe November or so, he should be getting some rotations into the, the defense. But I think with Hooker and Mack, maybe Mack comes back on a cheaper deal because I don't know if the market will be for, there for him next year. Maybe there is, but maybe $5 million per year because the Colts bring him back because they love to run the ball so much with this offensive line. They can still keep that duo together. But they're so bullish on Jonathan Taylor that I think that Mack's going to walk. 
I think Malik Hooker is going to walk as well. And, and they're going to start to recoup these comp- compensatory picks, which the Colts really haven't had the chance to do so far. They have, uh, I believe, 11 starters who are going to be free agents next year. And that, I don't think they're going to bring, obviously, every one of those guys back. So I think Mac Hooker, a couple other guys as well, maybe Anthony Walker at linebacker because they have Bobby Okariki on board there. I think they're going to start recouping those comp picks for 2022, which Ballard has wanted to do, but he hasn't had a chance to do just yet because this Colts team has been so gutted before, but with the Ryan Grigson era not having much talent at all. But Ballard's built up to the point where he can let these guys walk and start to build his team in his own image. And I think players like Mack and Hooker are on the way out there. I think it's good for the rest of the league, though, because I think Mack or Hooker, wherever they land, are going to be legitimate starting types and really be really good at the position wherever they go. Tyler, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Evan. Um, Frank Reich. Frank Reich came in, and then obviously, you know, he got the rug pulled out from under him when Andrew Luck was injured, and nobody really expected that. Uh, it just seems like when you look at the record, if that was somebody else and the situation was different, you go, oh, he's in the hot seat, sort of like Patricia in Detroit. Huh? It's the third year now. You got to get it done. But somehow it feels like to me, because of all of the things that have happened up there, Frank Reich has really kind of outcoached every he's coached those he's gotten every single thing out of that team that you could possibly get because they've been so super competitive even though they haven't won as many games as you like is this a year where all of those mulligans kind of go out of the window because you do have this veteran and you're probably going to be as healthy as you've been will will that grace period or or like that mulligan will will that get out of jail free card kind of run out if he doesn't at least get to the playoffs yeah, with Reich and Bauer, they're tied to the hip, at least as a GM head coach standpoint. So I see, I see both being around for a long time unless really hits the fan here and they really have a horrible season back-to-back or something like that. But with Reich, his coaching ability, he won this locker room over in 2018 when he went for on fourth and two in overtime against the Houston Texans. And he galvanized that locker room and helped them go on a 10-1 to run their final 11 games of the season to make that playoff run, go into Houston and beat the Texans in the wild card round and barely lose in Kansas City in the divisional round. And of course, Andrew Luck, he retired. And I think this could have been the year last year where the Colts might have been in, in the AFC title game instead of Tennessee because Luck was in that position to really be in the prime of his career and really take on the best roster he's seen in his career so far. But with Philip Rivers on board now, like you mentioned, Tony, he kind of wipes out the mulligan here where Rivers at least an average to above average quarterback and a really good fit in this Colts scheme where there, I think there's no excuses anymore. They built this roster up into, I believe, a top 10 roster in the NFL. They should be a bona fide playoff contender. And if they get hot, maybe a bona fide Super Bowl contender because Rivers, if he gets high, I think is very hard to stop. We saw it in week one when the Colts played in L.A. last year. I think this team with Reich and Bauer, there's no more excuses anymore. I think it's put up or shut up time. Obviously, they're going to be around for another couple of years here. But let's say a big year in 2020 where they had to prove that they've, the team they've been building and the team that Reich has put into place as well as Chris Bauer is right on track here because the, the talent is there on paper, but you got to prove on the field there. But I think Reich is one of the more underrated coaches in the NFL, and I think he should take advantage of this roster. You know, here's my question. It's a little bit more fun. How is Jim Ursay these days? Is, how's he the bad boy of the NFL? How, how's Jim Ursay living these days? Yeah, Ursay's doing well. I, I think he's really put a lot into this team as far as really giving the keys over to Chris Ballard. I think he's really been apprehensive in the past, even Bill Polian, where he wanted to kind of have his own say and kind of put his own, own twist on things. But he trusts Chris Ballard so much, especially after the Ryan Grigson debacle, where Ballard's been so good at his job the first few years building up this team that he's kind of taken a complete backseat here as far as being involved in operations goes. Him and Frank Reich have the full trust of Ursay. He's built an entire new facility in Indianapolis there. They've rebuilt the entire West 56th Street facility they have there for the training camp. And I think overall with, with Ursay, he wants to win Super Bowls. He mentioned before Andrew Luck retired, he wants to win multiple Super Bowls during his, the rest of his career as the owner there of the Indianapolis Colts. And I think this is the best time they're going to do here is with this Rivers run. And if they can at least get 
in the dance, so to say, in the playoffs, that there's a chance. But Ursay himself's doing well, and I think with the way he, how much trust he's putting to Chris Bauer here, I think it says a lot about how Bauer's doing for himself as the general manager of this team, too. I think I, I agree with you 100% in, in that. Chris, Chris Ballard has done a fantastic job. It's one of those things where when you're in the division and you watch that guy craft a roster just in his few short years, you know, it is something something you, you worry about in the back of your mind because he is doing such a good job. But what, one thing that happens when you do a good job building a roster is you have some competitive spots going into training camp. So with an eye looking forward, do you think that there are any starting positions that are available for the Colts right now, do you think the roster or the starting spots are kind of locked down? Where do you see those battles taking place once once players actually get out onto the field? Yeah, I think the starting spots are pretty locked in already with how deep this roster is. But I think as far as battles go, the Mike linebacker spot, Anthony Walker's been entrenched next to Darius Leonard the last couple of years. But Bobby Okariki, they're super high on the Stanford product they drafted last year and in the third round. They, they think it's a future all-pro, pro-bowl type talent. Jim Mercer mentioned that, as well as Chris Ballard. So I expect them to take more and more snaps at Mike away from Anthony Walker this year. I personally do think that Bobby Okariki beats Anthony Walker this year in training camp and moves him over to Sam linebacker because Walker is good at runs, but he's a really big liability in pass coverage. And Okariki and Leonard are very versatile in both situations. So I think those, that will be your duo there and have Walker move over to Sam, which I think opens the door for Walker to lead as a free agent this upcoming year and recoup another topic, like I mentioned the last time up there as well. I think as well, wide receiver, I know Mike Quinn Jr. is the number – 34 overall pick, second-round pick this year. But Zach Haskell did very well for himself last year. So he's at least earned the chance to be an outside outside starting receiver opposite T.Y. Hilton there. So I think there's going to be a battle between Pittman and Pascal. If Pittman has a slower development curve, maybe Pascal starts right away. And then Pittman takes a spot later on the season. But outside of that, I think it's pretty much all covered with the Colts there because the offensive line's there. They have the skill position groups in place. Marlon Mack and, and Jonathan Terry be sharing a load there. So there's really no true starter, so to say, at that position. Defensive line, they have Justin Houston, Kamoka Ture in the bookends, you know, DeForest Buckner inside. And at, at cornerback, Xavier Rhodes, Rocky Singh, Kenny Moore, one of the more underrated nickel cornerbacks in the NFL. And then you have Curry Willis and Malik Hooker at safety. So it's a pretty loaded roster already, but these, these camp battles can be very intriguing to watch at the most important position. But that will wrap up the third installment in our Ultimate Division crossover series here for the AFC South, taking a look at the Indianapolis Colts headed into training camp. We are going to be back tomorrow with the fourth installment, talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Make sure that you subscribe to all of your AFC South Locked On podcast, the Locked On Jaguars with Tony Wiggins, Locked On Indianapolis Colts with Evan Sidery, Locked On Texans with John Hickman and Cody Davis, and Locked On Titans with me, Tyler Rowland. We are going to be back, like I said, with you guys tomorrow to talk with Tony Wiggins about the Jacksonville Jaguars on this Ultimate Division Crossover Series training camp preview. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.